today on the Blue Cord Podcast. So Renaud turned around and he looked out the window and he looked back at me and he said, Karen, I'm going to tell you the truth and the truth will set you free. If he has a gun and he wants to shoot us, the car will not stop it. <laughs> I thought, now who tells his new wife something like that in the middle of a city inculcated by terrorists? It was a really scary moment. If you're like most women I know, you want to trust the Lord and fearlessly share Jesus. Yet something holds you back. Maybe you're struggling to navigate our culture. Maybe you wrestle with fear or lack skills. Maybe it's easier to stick in your comfort zone and keep your mouth shut rather than to talk about your faith, especially across cultures. That's what the Blue Cord Podcast is all about. I'm your host, Karen Bajani, and if sharing your faith has been hard for you and you long to be brave, strong, and courageous, this is for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I'm here together with Beth Collins, and usually she and her husband, Clay, are producing the show behind the scenes, but today we are switching seats, and I've asked Beth to join me, and she's interviewing me. Karen, I'm so glad that you're going to speak to our listeners today, so welcome to your show. (laughs) It's great to be here. So, Karen, I know you grew up in America's heartland. So tell us a little bit of what it was like for you growing up in the Midwest, and what were your earliest thoughts of sharing the gospel? Mm, I love this question because I grew up in the United States at a time when America was 93% Christian. So if you think about that, that meant that all of my neighbors and my friends at school, we were all either Baptists or Methodists or Presbyterian, and no one I knew was from another faith or culture. And so it was just a really idyllic childhood growing up in the fields of corn throughout America's heartland. Share your earliest memories about what you understood the Great Commission to be. I think one of the earliest memories I have related to the Great Commission involved Sunday school and the Lottie Moon mission offering. A missionary came in and talked about what it meant to go share Jesus somewhere overseas, and we were all saving our pennies in a little milk carton so that we could support missionaries because they were the ones that shared Jesus someplace else. And that's exactly the image that I had in my mind's eye. And I think it stuck in my mind like super glue throughout my entire life until one day I had an awakening that, wow, the nations live here. And maybe I should be involved in sharing my faith across people of other faiths and cultures. So, Karen, we're going to fast forward to the time you met your husband, Renaud Bajani. So tell us a little bit of how you met him and what was the catalyst that changed your thoughts about the Great Commission. Renaud and I met through eHarmony. So we are an eHarmony commercial, my husband and I. And Renaud grew up in the Middle East and North Africa, persecuted for his Christian faith. And while all that was happening to him, he was at war with Muslims in the Middle East when he was a kid. Think about it. I was growing up in America's heartland in the cornfields, just didn't even know that Muslims existed. 
And so it's interesting to consider how the Lord might put the two of us together through an eHarmony commercial. But here we are today. That's such a great story. And I just love to watch the two of you together, him being Middle Eastern, you being from the Midwest, you know, blonde hair, fair skin, and he being from Iraq and Middle Eastern. Yeah, I have a good story for you about when Renaud first asked my dad's hand for marriage. So Renaud and I had both been previously married. We had kids, extended families. And so my dad, being the farmer growing up himself in the Midwest as a farm kid, the only knowledge that he had of people of other faiths or cultures when he considered someone from the Middle East and North Africa, in his mind, that must mean that he was a terrorist. So in my father's mind's eye, I was about to marry a terrorist. And so my family staged an intervention where they all gathered us together and put a seat for Renaud in the middle where the family peppered him with questions. And my dad's first question to Renaud, when Renaud went to ask my hand in marriage was, just give it to me straight. Are you a terrorist? (laughs) That's such a great story. I can just visualize that happening. So I remember you've told this story about how you went to the Middle East for the first time. So tell us a little bit about that story with Renaud. Yeah, the first time that I went to the Middle East was shortly after Renaud and I were married. It was over a decade ago now. And I was so excited because we were going to go and visit with a woman who was a missionary in a hard place. And we were not going to meet her where she lived. We were going to meet her on the outskirts of town, which was just great because she lived in an area which was considered a red zone. That was a zone where the U.S. government said, do not go there. It's kind of a dangerous place right now in the world to be. So we were driving to the city to meet her there. And I noticed that we were the only car that was driving into that city. Well, there were lots of cars driving out of that city. And I had on a borrowed hijab and big sunglasses and sitting in the back seat of the car. And as we were driving toward the city, I just felt this pervasive sense of evil just permeate my heart. And I began to feel a sense of fear. And the driver of the car took a wrong turn as we got close to the city, and we ended up in the heart of a city in an area we should not have been in. And about that time, our driver got very disturbed with his spirit, and there was a moment where he said in a heavy accent, I don't feel very good about this. And in that moment, I reacted as well. I agree. This is a bad place. We shouldn't be here. And I began to cry. And all my husband could think to do was put his hand on my shoulder and the hand on a driver's shoulder. And he began to sing, Jesus loves me, to calm us down. And at some point, the driver parked the car right in an intersection where there were a lot of men in the area who were a sect of Islam called Salafis. They were all around us and there were machine guns and the army was there and our driver left us in the car to go get instructions, directions to how to get to Miriam's house. And about that time, Renaud was looking at me in the back seat and he was trying to calm me down. And I realized one of the Salafis came right up to the passenger side of the car door and pressed his face against the window. And Renaud didn't realize this because he was looking at me in the back seat while I was crying and having a full-scale meltdown. 
And so I said to Renaud in my best heartfelt ventriloquist act, don't look now, but there is a cellophane looking in to your window. So Renaud turned around and he looked out the window and he looked back at me and he said, Karen, I'm going to tell you the truth and the truth will set you free. If he has a gun and he wants to shoot us, the car will not stop it. (laughs) I thought, now who tells his new wife something like that in the middle of a city inculcated by terrorists? It was a really scary moment. And Renaud said, I'm going to step out of the car and talk to him. And that's what he did. He left me in the car alone on a street in the middle of this gun battle between the different sects of Islam that had been happening on that street. And I felt very small and very far away from God at that moment. And shortly after that, Renaud jumped back in the car. The driver came back. They knew the instructions. But by this time, that whole fight or flight syndrome had just rushed all of my senses. And I was pretty much a hot mess. And the two of them took me to Miriam's house. We rode up in an elevator into her door. The door opened and Miriam greeted me and she said, welcome to God's house. This is a place of peace. And she ushered me in as I had all the mascara running down my face and handed me tissue after tissue after tissue and cup after cup after cup of coffee to get me calmed down. And that really was my earliest memories of going to the Middle East. Mm. I can't even imagine what she must have been feeling in that moment. And I know that Miriam was such an inspiration to what we're going to talk about today. So fast forward to when you felt this urgency. I remember sitting down over breakfast with you about a year ago, and we began to talk about you going away on a retreat. And you heard from the Lord about this book that you were going to write and that you felt that you had inside of you to share. So tell us about that. So Renaud and I have a spiritual discipline where we spend every morning a period of time just in listening mode with the Lord. We're reading our scripture, we're prayerful, and then we spend some time being still, being quiet before the Lord to process what we've read and listen to how the Lord might speak to us. And one morning, Renaud stood up to start his day, and all of a sudden he stopped and he looked at me and he said, Karen, I feel like the Lord was just telling me you're going to write a book. And I laughed out loud at him in that moment because I was working in corporate America. I loved my career, and it was a long, fabulous career. And in that moment, I laughed at him and said, no, you're the author of the family. I don't have it in me to sit still and write a book. And he said, no, Karen, I really think you're going to be an author. But we let it go at that. And then over a period of time, the Lord began to press on my heart through people, through circumstances, and through quiet time with him that I would be writing a book. So in my classic corporate fashion, I pressed in hard and just wrote an outline, put together a group of women that I considered my chicken list. These were women that I really respected and admired and who were doing incredible work of their own in the ministry space and within the world. And I asked for their input into this project. And I expected them to say, this is fabulous, Karen. This is wonderful. Proceed. But that's not what they said. They came back and said, Karen, this is not it. Go back 
and press into the Lord and seek Him and fast and pray and see what the Lord would have you write. And so that's what I did. I think at that point, I entered into a season of really fasting and praying and pressing into the Lord. Did I hear him write? Did he really prompt me to write a book? Had I imagined all this in my own mind's eye? And after a period of time doing just that, one afternoon I was reading in the Old Testament, and it was a verse in Numbers fifteen thirty-seven, And it was a time when the Israelites had messed up again. And so the Lord told Moses to tell the Israelites, and I'm paraphrasing, make for yourself a tassel with a cord of blue and put it on the hem of your garments so that every time you see it, you'll remember who I am, who you are in me, and what I called you to do. And that word blue and cord seemed to shimmer on the page in my Old Testament Bible So I dove in deeply into the commentaries because I know when something seems to shimmer on the page like that and I'm really listening, it means pay attention. So I dove into the commentaries and what I realized was, oh, wow, there is so much depth and meaning and purpose and symbolism behind the blue cord, the blue cord being at the hem of the garments, and so on and so forth. And so it was fascinating to me. The more I I realized, the more doors I opened in my commentary study, the more I began to uncover. And it was fascinating. And I knew then that the book would be called The Blue Cord. And then shortly after that, in my Bible study, I went over to the New Testament, and I was reading the verse where the hemorrhaging woman was pushing through the crowd of people to just touch the hem of Jesus's robe because she knew when she did, she'd be healed. And then it gave me pause when I realized that when she touched the hem of Jesus's robe, she was also touching that blue cord tassel on the hem of Jesus's robe. And it seemed like I was standing on holy ground that moment. It was just such an affirmation from the Lord that this book would be called The Blue Cord. But then that set me on a journey to say, okay, I know that this is a book about inspiring and and changing how everyday Christian women like myself think and feel about sharing our faith in our generation, especially with women of other faiths and cultures. And that really set me on a journey to remember the, the catalyst on my own faith sharing journey really was Miriam. So a decade earlier, when I sat with her in her kitchen, as I was having a full-scale meltdown, and I realized that she was sharing Jesus in a very hard, hard place. And I'll never forget my conversations with her over coffee around her kitchen table, because it seemed like Jesus was in the room with us. And I peppered her with questions like, Miriam, why are you living in this place? It's a scary place. And what compels you to leave your door every morning to walk through these crowded streets where gunfire and terrorism could occur at any single moment. Why do you do this? And she said, Karen, Jesus is worth it all. And I realized she had such a depth and a richness and a sweetness to her faith. And I wanted what she had. And I wondered if I could have that when I came back to the U.S. So it set me on that decades-long journey to discover that, yes, I could have what she had. And I wanted that for every Christian woman in North America and in Western nations. 
that we all would realize who God is, who we are in Him, and what He's called us to do. So, Karen, why do you feel like women are so afraid to share their faith, especially with people of other faiths and cultures? That's a really great question. I knew what held me back, and I remembered vividly what caused me to be afraid. And yet, I didn't want to make those kinds of assumptions or put my own fears and concerns onto other women. And so, I set out and did a whole series of focus groups with women ages 18 to 80, faith-filled women who are going to church every Sunday, who are reading the Word, who are in Bible studies and leading BSF, and just, just chatting about this. What was your earliest memory of the Great Commission? What role do you see yourself playing in sharing your faith, pushing back darkness and shining the light of Christ right now? What holds you back? And what I came to realize through that is that we all have some very common things that hold us back from sharing our faith. Some of it is just lack of awareness. And for some of us, it's just truly we don't want to. And for others, it is a fear. It's a fear of what people think. We tend to fear man more than God, right? And wrestle with some of that doubt and unbelief that come along with it. Some of us, it's just we flat out lack skills. We just don't have the the skills to know how to cross those cultural and religious divides to share the hope of Christ. And often, I think more than ever, we make it in our mind's eye a lot harder than it is Trust me, a lot harder than it is. Many women in the focus groups, they want to reach out and begin to share Jesus, and yet no one in their faith communities are doing it. And so it's it's kind of risky and countercultural to step out there on your own and begin to practice this without a faith community to learn and grow within. And I know with iHope Ministries, which is what Renaud founded with you, the focus has been on Muslims. So uh, are Muslims your area of focus with Blue Cord? When Renaud and I launched iHope Ministries now over a decade ago, we did set out to inspire and empower everyday Christians to share their faith with Muslims through iHope's Five Essentials. And after a decade of empowering people to go share, so many people came back and said, you know, once I was emboldened to share these five essentials with Muslims, I realized that I could share them with everybody. And since then, many I Hope alumni have gone on to share their faith with Buddhists and Hindus and Jews and atheists and all kinds of people because these are principles that are timeless biblical principles that Jesus taught to his disciples. And so all of us can be practicing these five essentials and just really be a vivid, authentic Christian witness just in our day-to-day lives. Mm, So good. So out of this book, The Blue Cord, I know there has been an exciting, amazing conference that has been birthed that we're actually planning for the end of this month. So tell us a little bit about how the Blue Cord Conference was birthed and a little bit about what to expect at that and what your, what your vision is for the conference. Originally, when I set out to write the Blue Cord book, I thought it was going to be just a book. And then in time, as I began to 
share the the vision for the book with women within focus groups. And I began to share it with women in women's ministries and people who engage with refugees and immigrants and international students. So many women came back and said, this isn't just a book, Karen. This is a movement. Think bigger than this. This is bigger than a book. And so those women really challenged me. And then I pressed back into the Lord and realized that women hold the key to the faith of the next generation. And oftentimes, women are at home with their kids, Muslim moms, Buddhist moms, Hindu moms here and in Western nations who are moving around the globe as refugees and as immigrants. They're raising up their kids to follow after God as they know Him, and they don't know Jesus. And we do. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you know Jesus. And so women of other faiths and cultures around you often have no idea what Christians believe or what it means to be a follower of Jesus or that there is salvation in Christ alone. And so how will they know if we don't tell them? And who will tell them if not us? Because we are the ones that hold the keys to that faith of the next generation. It's up to us to pass that baton and model it for our children and our children's children, our grandchildren, so that they can see what it looks like to live as an authentic Christian witness and to point people to Jesus around us. And so really, I set out to realize, yeah, it's time for us as women to start to talk about this concept because it's not often spoke about in our churches right now, sharing our faith among people of other faiths and cultures. And people of other faiths and cultures are, are all around us now. They're rapidly coming here to Western nations as refugees, as immigrants. Even as I'm speaking right now, I live in North Texas at this point, and my city is like the new Ellis Island of our times. And so we have incredible opportunities to share Jesus with some of the world's least reached nations right in our own cul-de-sacs today. And it's time as believers for us to be awakened that the nations are among us and that we are the ones that Jesus calls to go be his witnesses. So with that, now I've realized it's much more than a book. We are launching a Blue Cord Impact Women's Conference, April 23rd, and you may or may not be listening to this podcast before that. If you are, no matter where you are in the world, you can plug into that conference via live stream, and you just check that out at bluecord.org. And if you're plugging in after the conference, no worries, because we are launching Blue Cord Discipleship Studies of women who want to help expand other women's vision for taking a part in this role of declaring God's glory among the nations all around us. The nations are definitely coming to us, and it's so inspiring to to see what God is doing uh, among the women. Before we close out today, I just wonder if you could pray over our listeners, the the women who are listening today who like myself, sometimes feel overwhelmed with children and school and all of the things that we have on our plates as women, to pray for courage to be birthed in our hearts as we're listening, to take that step, even if it's a, a small step, to go out and share our faith. And then as we wrap up, we'll just go over any final details. But do you have any final thoughts before you pray over our listeners? Yeah, I think that we all want to live lives filled with meaning and purpose. 
so that when we get to the end of our lives, we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. And so with that in mind, we can't wallow in doubt or unbelief or sit on the sidelines right now because we have one life to live, right? So it's critical that we remember who God is, that we serve a holy living God and who we are in him dearly, dearly loved and what he called us to do, to go be his witnesses to the end of the earth. And we all have a choice to make in that. We can sit in our comfort zones where we are safe in our mind's eye. We are safe and and we don't have to stretch and learn and grow in these areas that seem risky to step out and to share Jesus in a culture right now that is a bit hostile to that message, right? And yet that's not what Jesus calls us to. We are called to something more. We're called to step out into this place of discomfort where we don't have all the answers, and yet where we press in hard to Jesus, who says, I am with you always. And so when we step out and lean on him and seek him with all our hearts, souls, and minds, and he begins to direct our path, and we begin to step out of our front doors every single day, expecting divine appointments and seeing where he's at work and realizing it's not our job to make someone come to Jesus. We are just looking to see where our Father is at work and join Him in that work. So with that said, I want to just encourage you, be encouraged. You already have everything you need to just press in and seek the Lord for how He would have you begin. And so that's really what I want to pray right now. So Lord, for our listener right now, wherever she or he is all over the world right now, the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal to him or her what her next step is in you, whether it's that she needs to lean in hard and begin to seek you with all her heart, soul, and mind so that she can fully realize how much you love her so then that your love within her just spills out onto women around her. Lord, that we would begin to realize the power that is at work within us, the same power that rose Christ from the dead is at work within us right now. And that it's not in our own words, perfect words, perfect gospel presentation, perfect anything that will bring anyone to Christ. It's only when we just point people to you as authentic Christian witnesses. And we do that with intention because we want to be intentional about our Father's business. So, Lord, I pray for my blue cord friend that you would give her a double dose of encouragement today, of wisdom, of discernment, and that you would make clear her next steps on this journey, whether it is that she needs to begin to practice what she already knows she should be doing, whether or not she should be an ambassador and just grab other women wherever they are, faith filled women and say, hey, come, come and see what the Lord is doing. Let's begin to practice sharing our faith together. Or maybe you're a catalyst and that you want to just jump in and lead a Blue Cord discipleship study with the women around you. We'll have some resources available for you for that. So whatever that next step is, I pray that you would seek after the the Holy Spirit's direction and that Holy Spirit, you would make that clear, crystal clear as to what that is. And I pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I encourage you, my blue cord friend, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's leading you on in your next step, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear where you are on your journey. And just so that we can be praying for you and just encouraging you wherever you might live. So good. Thank you so much for being our guest today on the podcast. We're so excited about the conference. And if you want to learn more about the conference or about any resources that Karen mentioned, just visit the bluecord.org. And that is B-L-U-E-C-O-R-D.org. And we are so excited. Thank you, Karen. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen. To get more involved in The Blue Cord, start small. Read my book, The Blue Cord, and sign up now to get my e-newsletter at thebluecord.org. I hope you can join me at our Blue Cord Women's Conference coming late April 2022 in North Texas. Look for more details at thebluecord.org.